0: Mixed nutcases. Cases. This is Nuke Joss and this is Nutty Bites. We're going to be talking about the internet. What's the internet? But first before we get dive into that with me as always. Hey I hear they have the internet on computers now. Yeah. yeah. Hi I'm Tech. And we have a very special guest in studio. That's right. This is no VoIP. This is no Skype. This is no jiggery pokery through the internet. Brought to you by three cans and a string. No, no, no! He's sitting right here.
1: Uh, hey, I, I think the internet is is overrated. It's not going to catch on. So it's just a fad. It's just a fad. I'm Mark the Incaffeinated one. Very happy to be here and discussing something that I have had in my life for most of it, which I'm very happy about. Most of the parts that yeah, count. I don't yeah. remember anything beyond like you know age nine or ten or something like that. So
0: well, I was thinking back, and I was like, well, I started with the internet. I wasn't even twenty. I was, I was, well, see, you know, as see, as Tech will say, be, a teenager. I
1: get to be the old man here. This is great. <laughs>
2: back was, in my day,
1: I mean, the internet came about, and there were rumors of it, if you will. Mm. But I was in the perfect position to see it happen uh, when I started university in 1991, and that was basically the year that the, the world went, "Hey, this internet thing should be every everywhere." And it was. It went from "Hey, this should be everywhere" to "Hey, it is everywhere." To yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> So I it's so I'm, I'm happy to talk about the internet because it has been it's been there, you know. Yeah. I remember when I first saw I don't remember exactly the year, but I remember seeing sitting at home and watching TV and seeing a car commercial that had a URL in it, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's made it! It's, it's real now. Other people know about this thing."
0: That's true. That's true. Yeah. Once it, it started, because for the longest time, it was really like that secret thing that nobody quite knew about.
1: Well, if you were at university, you mm-hmm. knew about the internet, yeah, because you knew about Gopher and you knew about uh, uh, FTP and you knew about you know those sort of early protocols. We we think of the internet. This is the other thing. We think of the internet as the web, and yeah, no. it's only one part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you were in universities, you could, you could actually see networking, you know, existing and going on.
0: So I, I, my first, well, my first experience with the internet is really through siblings. And some siblings would dial in to BBS's. Oh yeah. And I, I got that. And another sibling had a Mac, a color classic, I believe it was. And they could do the internet that way. And I remember another sibling sleeping over this sibling's house, coming home and saying, oh my gosh, we just discovered the web. <laughs> oh, the web is amazing because you're not just on your internet, you're talking to people on all the internet.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> in, in fact, that was what the, it was. So back when I was in high school... Um, the Internet wasn't really more than something that, that universities and military institutions are using. But there was Fidonet, and there were a couple of other – and the BBSs, like you mentioned, that would have inter-BBS um, connections. Yeah. So the the foundations of doing it were there in the public space for a long time before the military protocols were released and the the research protocols were released. And suddenly we have a standard that everybody can actually use. And then it's, then it's connection to connection. You have the hardwired connections between universities and they have these massive, expensive backbones that are, are running across the, the universe.
2: And then we can connect at home too. My high school had a, a really cool computer department and we had two really cool teachers that, you know, I was about 15 or so. Yeah. I was 15 in 93 when this internet thing started. And we'd already had, you know, pretty robust computer labs in the school. That we were, uh, you know, we had a couple different computer clubs. We had a, a radio, we had a, uh, uh, a, a school radio station and like, uh, school DJs that would do all the dances. Oh, wow. So we had all kinds of, you know, pretty robust tech infrastructure. And then, and the guys that were senior to me in, in the, in the computer clubs and in the, in the, in the, the, the computer, uh, Uh, classes and everything. Well, they were the guys. They were that first wave. They were the guys that were, you know, dialing into BBS's and doing Mm. the muds, the mushes, playing legend of the red dragon, you know, that type of thing. I missed all of that, but I jumped in when, Hey, there's this crazy thing called email. (laughs) And all of a sudden we can talk to people in Japan and we can talk to this other school across town. And, uh, you know, that we got it started there. Then we started, um, then we started coding. We started making websites and. You know, that was one of our first big projects was we had to build the school's website. Mm. Well, I mean,
1: yeah, I, I grew up in a rural area and there weren't any BBSs around me to, lo- to dial into. I got a hold of a 300 baud modem for my Commodore 64 and I found a number of a BBS. So I called it up and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. The BBS in- interface, like this is the Commodore 64 had a uh, 40 by 25 screen. Mm-hmm. but it was manipulated to actually have an 80 by 25 screen. Somehow they managed to fit it all in. Um, and it was great. I was playing all these games. And then my mother tells me like, hey, the phone bill went up a lot last month because that was a long distance call. Yeah, well, I knew nothing about these sorts of things. So so for me, that was always kind of a, a bit distant. Um, to give you another perspective, when I was in intermediate school, so grade seven through nine, sometime in there, I bought the uh, machines or a couple of machines that were no longer being used at the high school. They were Commodore pets, uh, and I still have them today. It's in a storage unit. Uh, when I got to high school, nothing was, nothing was networked at all. Uh, we had a collection of very different machines. They were already starting to gauge. You had, uh, uh, man, you had like a couple of PC clones over here and, the, uh, an uh, all-in-one unit over here.
0: By the uh, way, that's just a, a flashback right now. PC <laughs> clones. PC clones. That word, that terminology. Yep. There are likely not many, but because I I really don't know the age of all of our listeners, but there are likely people listening to this going, "What's that? Oh, yeah.
1: Cutting edge clone was the Tandy One Thousand. That uh, we had a few of those. We had uh, oh, what was the name? NCR I think did a, a an all in one where the monitor and the and the CPU is all built together. But when I got to university, it was suddenly, oh, well, there is the internet thing out there that we're working on. And um my earliest interaction with the internet on a really big ne- way was through Usenet news groups. Yeah. So Usenet was a system uh, kind of like a bulletin board you'd see, uh, but it was all organized. They had these crazy names of multiple parts, Uh which were all, you know, that was a really big joke, but they were all organized around topic. And what would happen is that they, they would upload their archives of all the message changes to uh, another school and it would propagate that way, generally mm-hmm. through schools. Um, and so that was the early thing. Uh, one of the biggest things that today that still survive from that day is IMDb. Yeah. The internet mu- mu- movie database began, I think, as dot rec. or rec.arts.movies or something. A bunch of people who were wanted to talk about movies. And so it, it it became it wasn't real time. You would uh, you know send your messages off or read the ones that came in, but it was not real time at all. But it was close to that bulletin board experience, but on a global scale. I believe Snopes started the same way. I think you're right. I as think another right. one of those yep. Usenet groups yep. for um Urban Myths. Probably yeah, like movie.rex dot tropes or something, yeah. probably. Yeah, oh yeah.
0: I remember when I started on the internet, I think it was my email program, there was something that would let you uh tie into the alt groups. Mm. Oh yeah. You know, the, the usenets and things like that. And there were all these settings for that. But to to give a little bit of reference, what was your first year of university? Nineteen
1: ninety one. Ninety
0: one. Yeah. So ninety one is essentially when we say that the um, the internet was born because that's when the worldwide Web went live, but yeah. it still wasn 't available to everyone
1: no, and I mean the early browsers too were very, very primitive yep. um, It was designed to it was designed to share academic articles with the yeah. entire entire idea, so you had a bit of formatting you could do. you could write the formatting with a plain text editor you didn 't need a fancy word processor. you just type your your uh, less than strong uh, greater than yep. around whatever you wanted to be boldface. Uh and yeah the the I remember I was I saw uh Mosaic the very first uh browsers I saw uh the Moza- birth of the Mozilla Foundation which we would know oh, as, the, yeah. as the foundation for uh, for Firefox now um and it was exciting I remember you know seeing these text pages with the links I remember the birth of Yahoo Yahoo, Yahoo. was just the so, yet another So what
2: search engines were you using when you when we used to have a choice of search So there was engines. there was
1: no search engine there was Yahoo, yet another hierarchical, uh, uh, object oriented index. Right. Um, I believe that's what it stands for. And it was just a list of links that were organized by, co- by category. And so you would go to the Yahoo page and you do, you'd load the whole page up until they started breaking it down by letter because it was too big and you'd, you'd search the page. That was the, that was the way you found your links. Right. Uh, you would swap links with other people. They would be uh, all kinds of things like that, that was just on a, connect connect, connect to connect basis. Uh, usually through Usenet, you would find the links. Uh, there was also Gopher sites. I yep. remember some of the first stuff I was looking for was either Gopher or FTP, straight up FTP, which I did through the mainframe at UNB. So I had an account on the mainframe that I could dial into the mainframe and it had access to reading these Usenet accounts. And I, I didn't exactly get in trouble. But they did start uh putting notes on my uh printouts that would take that I would get printed out through the university, saying, "Is this really necessary for school because it was it was uh, a thousand new spells for d and d it was uh you know entire settings and rules and all that stuff because that's what i would that's yeah. what I would find these netbooks net dot books that was created the, as well
2: the one big thing I missed, about the internet from then as opposed to now is, you know, it, it it's a lot like, like what you're saying. You're, you're flashing me back here that everything was adjustable by the user. All the settings uh-huh. and everything. And, you know, a lot of these programs and the websites and things that we used didn't have slick front ends on them. And that with a couple lines of code, you could really sort of customize mm-hmm. everything that you want. I really miss that. Now, I know that there's... Everything has a front end on it now and everything is slick with, like, neat menus and things. And companies and programmers they really don't want you to mess with their system anymore and they they've gotten so complicated that and I know that there are browsers out there like Opera others that are really adjustable but nowhere near as easy as it was back in the day, just because things got, have gotten so complicated. Well,
1: everything was embedded in the web page itself, right? All the styling was there, and then the interpretation was done of what strong means, what the font was. (laughs) Um, I I
0: will say we are starting to get back to that, because there's now, as you go into websites, you may notice there's like a, a little icon, and it looks like the accessibility or the disability icon that you can actually, if you put in the proper code to your website now users can say i need this font this contrast this mm. color setting mm-hmm. and that is really cool i don't know how to do that yet but that sounds
1: really cool um well just after just after the first initial uh, creation of the web page was the creation of something like css yeah. it's not the the, la- the only one but it was the biggest one the one that survived and that's uh, that's basically describing the structure and the parameters of how something looks separate from the data Which is a great, you know, great important, uh, deal for, you know, software development and interface development. But then in the interim, there is, um, client side CSS where you specify the rules you want for things to look and then your browser is supposed to respect that over what the other one says. It overrides what gets delivered to you. And that was kind of the closest, but it was never something that the average person really knew about doing. And you had to, you know, custom
2: code it yourself. That was one of the big lessons from my computer science teacher was one thing that he would always harp on us is that nobody likes your color scheme. <laughs> nobody likes your font choices. Leave it up to the user. Oh, I made so many ugly
1: looking web pages yeah, yeah. back in the day. I had a GeoCities page. You can actually find it archived on archive.org now. Really? Uh, for caffeine 2.0, I think I called it, uh, which is where all my role playing ideas and stuff went up.
0: I had a GeoCities page and I kind of wish I left it the way that it was but uh eventually I was able to go in and uh at one point change it to just re- be a redirect. Uh, and I kind of wish I had that really bad GeoCities that I had uh, hand coded
1: in dancing HTML. baby gifts and no, under construction bars spinning, under construction. Yes, the counter. Yeah, under oh, yes. How many the people the have viewed this page? Oh yes.
0: Uh the spinning Klingon logo <laughs> and um the cool marble background that I had that looked like the Klingon logo had been uh, chiseled into it. Oh, yeah.
2: Did it have Very an embedded cool. MIDI that would play? When no, you website? <laughs> no,
0: because I accessed through a computer lab and that's the last thing you wanted is music <laughs> to just start playing. Um I do kind of want to like put a little bit out there that so you started university in 1991. Yeah. I started university in 1995 and that's really when I started to uh get my my personal experience like everything was through siblings and a little like i'd look over but i was convinced that computers hated me (laughs) like literally i thought that they hated me because every time i tried to do anything on a computer it would break down and something wouldn't work now a lot of my experience we did have a commodore 128 in the house and um my mom was very anti-video games, so if she ever found them, she would get rid of them. We used to put the floppies, they were actual floppies, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd put them into pages in the OED <laughs> so that she couldn't, she didn't know where that they were. Um, and we'd put, hide them in books. Um, but, uh, like I remember Bruce Lee, uh, there was this weird fantasy D&D type game and things like that. But my experience there was, You have to do your typing games. You have to do, like, there were all these educational games because, of course, I was lacking and, and I I hated typing. I hated it so much. Typing of the
1: dead. That was one for a while. Uh,
0: and, and so whenever I had to write a paper, they had to be typed. And so my mom would type it on a typewriter or I would have to, I would start typing it on the typewriter and then she would take over. Um, but in school, most of, I mean, yeah, we had the Carmen Sandiego on the, on the old apples and things like that, but, uh, like in high school and and in middle school, it was, they were PC clones. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, w- it was like you would go in and it was just word perfect. Blue screen <laughs> word perfect. Like that's what you had access oh, to. Yeah. Um And then I went to university and one of the, the courses that you had to take is you, it's a course about learning about the university and every week you learn something new. And one week we went to the computer lab and I was like, okay. And they, they got you signed up for your email and I was like, okay. And then a friend of mine showed me chat rooms and it (laughs) kind of built from there. But 1993 is when, is the year that the internet was available outside of universities Mm -hmm. and government But it wasn't until 1995 that it started to get sold to consumers. Yeah. You still had like, uh, you still had to figure out how to, yes, anybody could go in, but you still had to figure out that connection and that connection wasn't there yet. And I recall, um, when I was in university, uh, I, we had a T1 line. Like that was mm. fast. That was awesome. And then I tried to connect from home on my fourteen-one uh, modem, and it was so slow, and it would frustrate me. So uh, uh, my friend and I would go to BBSs because it was faster.
1: Mm. If you were in an area where they were they were local to you, then it was great. Um,
0: well, and that's the other thing: the earlier days of BBSs, they were. Like it would probably take fifteen minutes to drive there, but that was long distance. Yeah. Anything outside of your town was long distance.
1: Here's a question that yeah. we're gonna have a different answer for and probably yeah. today people won't have any answer at all. What's the sound of the internet? Oh we'll... beep beep beep, 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 beep. beep, beep, <laughs> beep. Right. The sound of the modem connecting is something that people yeah. do not have any, any connection to today. Janae, the internet is, uh, the little icon went to, uh, connected. That's it. Yeah, like there's no, it. there's no connection to that. And I, I kind of feel like, uh, like the visceral physical nature of that was something that we mark. And then you knew when it was failing too. You knew, you, you were like, come on little modem, you can do it. You can do it. And it would try and retry, try to do the handshake and just would fail or whatever. Um, or the other, the other sound of the internet is get off the phone.
0: I'm trying to do the internet. So that reminds me. So, so call waiting. If you had oh, yeah. call waiting, mm-hmm. you could do the internet. But if somebody called, it could kick you off. My house had two phones because we didn't have call waiting for the longest time. We also didn't have touch tone for the longest time. And it feels really close between getting touch tone. Because you used to have to pay for touch tone and we didn't pay for it. So it was what they called pulse or rotary getting touch tone call waiting becoming available. So we dropped the other line and then AOL like it it feels (laughs) like it was just a couple of years.
1: Yeah. Well, it all changed pretty quickly. Like yeah. In my university career in 91, I first was exposed to the internet. Yes, it wasn't really outside of academics for a few years. In 95, I was doing a presentation on a work term in Ottawa, actually, uh, where I was working for the NRC, and they had us doing extra projects. My extra project was on VRML, which was a virtual reality 3D simulation in its own ML language like HTML. So you could write it up like HTML mm. and then have an interactive descript, uh, display. This is within five years. It, it was, it suddenly went from, oh yeah, we'll use it for something until no, we can do anything we want to do with this. But the other thing about the internet, you mentioned it there, but I think it's even more important, email. Yeah, so I got my first email address when I was when I started university, it was my login for a few of the com- computers as well. By that same 5-year point, I was a big person, no, a no big person, that sounds wrong. I was a big uh, fan and often posting on wad-l, w L. I
0: was waiting a for this mailing
1: list, an email mailing list for the World of Darkness. And this was fantastic. This was, uh, kind of. The world of darkness, the role-playing the game. The role-playing game, yes. <laughs> Thank you. The world of darkness. <laughs> the world of darkness, really. Um, but it was, it was a chance that it was kind of like Usenet, except now it was basically as I sent out things or I would receive them at any point in time, it was the closest to, to reality. Uh, my entire identity is actually owed to that mailing list because uh, I was on the mailing list. My name is Mark. Mark is a pretty common name. And so we said, well, you know, we started taking on nicknames because, well, who are we talking to? And I get getting mixed up, too, about who I was talking to. It's like, well, what name am I going to have? And it turned out that everybody noted that every morning when I came into work, I talked about the cup of coffee I just drank. So it's like, okay, coffee has to be there. And suddenly it was marked the encaffeinated one. Mm. And to shorten it down, it became NCAF1. Uh, and I've used that for, uh, what year is it? Uh, almost 40 years now. Yeah. Um, but it, it mailing lists, like today, email has, is survived. As part of it, but it has not got the same prominence it once did. Mailing lists are almost the bane of people's existence. They don't want them anymore. But that was my way of connecting with these people. I connected with some of the creators and writers behind uh, the the the, uh, the world of Darkness games. I was able to, I created my own stuff that I would distribute by email. I had Darkness twenty two seventy six, my setting of of what happens in the future of this whole crazy vampires versus werewolves versus mages type thing. Uh, and it was amazing. It was, it was all text. There's nothing fancy about it. I, you know, occasionally send an image back and forth. Um, Text also meant that we had. Do you remember figlets? I think they were called. Figlets was a a uh, use of ASCII graphics to create larger text. Yes. yes oh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or images themselves. Yeah. Uh, and so everybody had a figlet tag on their on their on the signature of their email. I hadn't
0: heard it called that. But I think that was yeah. a particular
1: program that did it. better, yeah. or Did it easily.
2: Um, there was another. There's another similar program whose name I don't think I can say on this podcast, but it's a completely innocent website. It just has a a, a moderately dirty name, uh, but it would, um, you would put an image into it, and then it would upscale it to. Uh, like each pixel was a, like a sheet. I think you can say that. Yeah. The rasterbator. Yes. The (laughs) rasterbator. So you could, uh, you would put in an image and then it's like, I want it to fill my wall eight foot by 12. And then it would print out the pages sequentially Mm -hmm. so that you could tape the pages to the wall and make a super blown up version of, uh, of the image. But I think the website, the website must still exist,
1: but yeah, I don't know if you want to search that on any work computer.
2: Ah, Right. Yeah. Safe mode here. Um, Um, yeah,
1: well, the thing is, images also are, are slow to, oh, to come yeah. up on the web, you, you, especially if you're on dial-up. You're like, okay, I'm waiting for that image to go, oh, it's the wrong one. Well, we had... um we It were... exists. Nice. The oh. rasterbator still
0: exists, and you can even... And this is what I always liked. You can print on individual pages, and even if your printer doesn't go edge to edge, uh it, it'll it create like the little lines for you and everything, and it's very cool-looking art.
2: But we had... um Uh, we got big into the Palladium role-playing games, and there was... I forget where we found them, but there was fan-made books, Mm -hmm. uh, like expansion books that added more things and more rules for the game. And I remember sitting at my friend's house on his 1,200-baud modem, (laughs) uh, trying to download and then print the books and man, like those those images on a 1200 baud modem waiting for them to load line (laughs) by bloody line by bloody line. And then, okay, we can print one page, go to the next page, wait 10 minutes for the page to download, print that page, move to the next one. And
1: I mean, it was interesting too, because we mentioned Usenet, which was fairly early on, but... It continued for many, many years and the interfaces got much more sophisticated.
0: By the Uh, way, Snopes was alt.folklore.urban.
1: That makes, oh wow, that's even more interesting. Yep.
0: Yeah, that was, that was one of the Usenets that I went to that I'm willing to talk about on this show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, the other thing that happened, um, before people really got to file sharing, that's what Usenet started to become mm-hmm. for a lot of things. And oftentimes it was images or they would occasionally try to do something bigger than images, but it was just not going to work. Still images were basically it. But you would get them in multiple posts and then there were automatic decoders that would take those posts apart and reassemble them. What? Uh, UU encode, UU decode. I remember
2: that. One of the big things that I remember from the early internet that I really, really miss is that that first generation of internet browsing that that, that mm. we're we're talking about nobody had figured out how to make money with it yet so <laughs> we were still innocent and you know since then like i remember i remember you know the the warning emails that we were getting you know in the 90s warning us about this thing called the nigerian prince scam oh, yeah. that was coming across in your emails and now Everything on the internet is about making money, whether it's through targeted advertising or somebody trying to sell you an NFT or, uh, you know, the Nigerian print scams have gotten more and more complicated and more and more elaborate. And now they can, you know, they can steal your identity. They can steal your bank account. They can, you know, they've gotten more and more and more, uh, uh, more and more uh, sophisticated, which means that. Your internet browsing is now done um, trepidatiously, cautiously with like a little bit of apprehension and that every email you receive or every contact you have with someone is, well, what are they trying to get from me now? What's yeah. this website really doing under the what- hood? That's
1: kind of the age of innocence of the early internet too. Like I'd like to say that the I'd like to say I don't know if I can really truly say it, but I think that the academic basis for a lot of people's access to the internet kind of lent it to being this experimental thing that people were doing, but also doing it in an open way. I mean, yeah. stuff like the open licenses that we know now, like Creative Commons, they'll all stem from that academic uh, starts. But it was also, you know, I received an e- email. Awesome! Let me read this right away. I only got five today. As opposed Five to, today. <laughs>
0: back then, you'd get like one or two a week. Well, I Maybe was on, I was on a bunch lucky. of mailing
1: lists. Some things, some yeah, things like true. my addiction to media have not changed. Um, but it, but it was exciting, and that's why you would go to these Usenet use groups, or you would go to these these few websites that existed. Um, and then when I think when AOL came around on the scene, I think that was one of the signals of it changing to an at home service that everybody's going to use. And then they were also trying to curate the internet into this small little packages that was safe, um, but also could sell you things.
2: Um, I remember a joke from a TV show where the the guy's uh, you know his device beeps or something and it goes, "You've got mail." He goes, "Oh, it's not spam." Ooh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, email is really what got me in the lab to begin with, hmm. and got me interested to begin with because I could communicate with my father who was on a ship. And there's, my whole life, the only time you could talk to him on the phone while he was away is if he spent, you know, $20 a minute on the satellite phone. Mm. Um, And what, what the internet did is there would be a packet of information, and in less than a minute, they would upload, through that same satellite connection, upload everything going out, and download everything coming in. And it was great um because and and the other person was my brother, who was also on ship, but he was on a research vessel, so they actually were doing it all the time, so I mm. could get two emails in a day from him if i want if if we were communicating a lot, which we really didn't have that much to talk about because uh you know it. it whatever Still on the ship
1: and the water looks wet
0: but my you know my dad would get the packet like every couple of days whereas my brother was getting it a couple of times a day and then as it went on it was more and more prevalent um but then you know i discovered chat rooms and i discovered role playing and i discovered everything else and i started using it for my research and and school and it was really great and i think what was interesting is I've heard a lot of people say, uh, especially Tech was saying, you know, we didn't know how to make money on the internet yet, so it was kind of innocent. But at the same time, as I was starting to understand the internet, it there were all these news stories coming out about like people meeting people on the internet and disappearing, and the dangers had already started.
1: I, I almost wonder if it was, it was the satanic panic equivalent of the internet, though. I, I
0: I wonder about that. I wonder about that. But back then. Uh, at least in in my group, um, nobody shared their real names. Mm. Nobody used their real name.
2: And uh, your online identity Mm. uh, was, and this was a, a big problem, this is something that I don't miss from the old days, is that everybody could craft whatever identity they wanted. On the internet, no one knows you're not a dog. Right. Yes. Or, or everybody
1: thinks you're a dog. Uh, yeah, that was, was fun. You could, you could have multiple identities, too, easily.
2: Yeah, and one of the things that I really hated, because it, ha- it seemed to happen, like, every week, you know, in, like, the chat communities or on message boards or whatever, is that somebody would get frustrated or they would get, uh, you, you know, whatever. They, they, they were tired of the identity that they had crafted for themselves, so they would, quote, quote, die, yeah. And it seemed to me every 15 minutes, one of my friends was dead. And it's, it's uh, oh, where's Johnny? Oh, no, Johnny's dead. He died in a car crash yesterday. It's like, really? Because if I go to, I, I know what hometown he's in. And if I look up his hometown's newspaper, there's <laughs> nothing about a car crash or a fatality. Oh, no, he's dead. And then, you know, Johnny with two N's and three Y's would show up in the chat. It's like, yeah. Aren't you the same guy that was? No, I'm a completely legally distinct individual from that last guy. As I change hats, you know, it,
1: it's funny because you also mentioned in, in passing there something which the early internet struggles with, and they struggle with even more today, and that's what goes on the internet. Mm. Um, you know, is your hometown newspaper searchable on the internet? Are they mm. making any money at doing that? How do they? How do they survive? And and we've struggled with a lot of that because the internet initially was. Everything's on there for free. Of course, it is. That's why it's there. You know, yeah. um, all it's of information. The, it's, it's information. You don't charge for information. Well, and and yeah, and and you know, it's news because I reported on it, but it happens to be the same news as someone else is reporting on, who's got the right to report on this news. Yeah. Um, but the the online identity thing was also weird because you never really knew if you knew someone. Mm-hmm. And there are many time, times when you're like, I think I know somebody. No, you don't. Uh, they're completely pretending to be someone else. Um, but I, I think we've done that even more today. Um, the, the only difference there is, that, is, for example, with TikTok, nobody's real name is, well, very few people use their real name on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But everybody sees what they look like, which is something we didn't have in the early internet when attached to an email. Right. You had no idea of anything about the person. Maybe they were a Nigerian print genuinely trying to get money out of the country, but you did not <laughs> know that. You wouldn't know. No. Yeah, I, I, uh, I also like I w- I'm on the computer science part of this. I studied computer science. I went on to work in networking, and I was amazed at how many of the protocols and the def- definitions of the internet were just these RFCs or ref- requests for comments. They were public documents created by the founders, who, by the way, wrote many of these things in like the 70s and 80s. They had fun with it. So you were talking about talking to people on a boat, and I don't know if you've ever heard of the passenger piz- pigeon po- protocol. Which was a legit RFC, an actual one of these documents written up for an April Fool's joke, where they defined in exacting detail that could be implemented how you could carry the internet via passenger pigeon. Uh, how every every uh, passenger pigeon was a was a packet of information. You would occasionally have passenger pigeon loss, which was packet loss. Uh, you know, especially when there were oh, falcons okay. around. Uh, and, and, but they defined the whole protocol and it was, they didn't, they did an April Fool's joke every year in one of these protocols. Well,
2: that reminds me of, uh, well, what they now call the sneaker net. Yes. You know, where, where, you know, I could, I have terabytes of, a terabyte's worth of information that I need to transfer to you and I could try to transfer it over wires and cables and signals or I could just put it on a flash drive and walk it over to your office and give it to you and that's probably faster in some cases. And
1: still is in a yep. certain sense too. Like it's still easy to to deliver a hard drive worth of information sometimes. Uh and of course there's also security when we became a little less uh, open about things on the internet we also started worrying about security in terms of what we were giving out. Mm-hmm. Um the internet we discovered is forever. Yep. Uh, and then when it's not forever, we're really shocked. And we looked to places like archive.org to rescue us from our lost history. It's also ephemeral. How much of our history has been created in the last 30 years that doesn't exist anymore? Yeah. Um, you know, again, archive.org has done a really good job at trying to capture a lot of that, but it has its gaps. Uh, and I've gone back
2: looking for things and it's like, oh, nope, that wasn't wasn't scraped on that day and died the next. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of different archives and foundations and things uh, for various parts of the Internet. One that I was fascinated by was there's old there's projects out there to save old video games. Yes, because yeah. um, as the formats start to degrade, w- there's a lot of the stuff that's saved on old floppies or old diskettes or old hard drives that they're going to stop working. Yeah. So trying to find a way to preserve this old history and do so in a format that, that has a little more longevity than what we've been using. And one of the ones that they were talking about is a, a, like a cartridges for video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cartridges, if you saved your game, well, the reason you're able to save your game is because there's a little battery in there. And that battery is non-replaceable. Well, you know, my Super Nintendo games are now 20, 30, 40 years old or 30 years old. Those batteries are dead. Yeah. So all of those saved games, that, that, that cartridge is now useless. And there are some people that are really skilled that can open them up and put fresh batteries in them or, you know, rip the information from the cartridge and then use an emulator, a piece of software to run the game on, on an, on like a computer or something. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, finding and preserving all this old information is uh you know is critical because there's a lot of stuff out there that we're that's just going to disappear it's it's funny
1: because the internet also kind of became the lingua franca for all of our media you know i have photographs i have i've even got some some uh some film which hasn't been developed uh but it would only ever live in my one location whereas the internet allows me to share with a whole bunch of people and now six or eight or 15 or a thousand people could have that same picture and as preserved forevermore. Uh, but we also became dependent upon it. I mean, uh, how many of, how many websites did you put a whole bunch of time into that suddenly disappeared because they were no longer uh, viable uh, or did you move from Flickr to Picasa to Google, Google images or whatever,
2: right? Uh, one of the, um, speaking of old formats, um, I used to work as the, um, heritage administrator for a museum collection. And uh, I went and attended a conference for, you know, a bunch of museum curators and things. And I sat at the back and was very quiet and learned all kinds of neat things. But one of the things they were talking about was an uh, old film, like eight millimeter film. If it was made before a certain date, and I think it was in the thirties or forties, um, the nitrocellulose can degrade mm. and it becomes highly flammable To the point of near explosive. Like it will just burn and burn and burn and burn and burn. So old film made before a certain... I think it was like 39 or something like that. But has to be kept in special refrigerators (laughs) to prevent it from degrading any further and spontaneously catching fire. But, you know, this message comes out. This message came out and it was check all your film and make sure that there's nothing before this date. So there's me in a... Me and a helper as we're we're going through the we're going through the cabinets trying to find every roll of film we can and checking all the dates to make sure that we didn't have a bomb on our hands. Jeez.
0: Oh, I I I love. I just discovered something by the way, uh, that the uh, person who founded Internet Archive also founded. Um, what is it, uh, Alexa? Uh, the the. the the SEO website that submits your, uh, website to all the different search engines. Okay. Um, and it's, it's, uh, yeah, Alexa internet and they, you can also go and see how much your site is worth and it, various other things. So that's the for profit. Um, but, um, that this is a nonprofit that was founded in 1996, which I, is a wow. lot older, yeah. but it, the, the internet what brought me to it which is the way back machine uh debuted in 2001 and that's mm. i think when i first started i love it and uh the first season of nutty bites is there and we need to put the rest of the seasons um uh we meaning me um and i think it's important because someday i'm not going to be here and my web host will go away yeah and all of that will go away and does it really matter do these things that i'm saying matter to the world Maybe not, but there are a lot of people that we've lost, and wouldn't it be great to be able to hear their voices again? Yeah. And for uh, some people, we've been able to preserve that, but not everyone. Yeah.
1: Well, none of my shows are are on are online anymore. Um, all of the yeah. stuff that I did in the past is, is 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 I still have some copies, I think, of everything. But, um, yeah. Well, the the concept of 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 stuff living forever was also kind of not not for us at the internet age started too. Yeah. It was, um, I yeah i I think that's the other thing is we we start to think about these public repositories and start to think about you know again before all this started, there was no notion of this. there was no Wikipedia back in the day there was no 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 free and open and modified uh you know public database of things. you still had to use your uh, hey if you're really super tech, you used your c d ROm uh, encyclopedia Britannica to go search through things. Um, but the Internet is now ubiquitous with knowing everything. Everything yeah. is on the Internet, right? Um,
2: I I remember somebody holding up a cell phone and saying, I hold in my in my hands a device that gives me instantaneous access to all of the world's knowledge, and I use it to get into arguments and look at pictures of cats.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, we may not have always used the Internet for important things. But, I mean, I go back to my Usenet days, and I'm pretty sure that I was on altwesley.com. Crusher. Die. 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 Which was a comedy uh, Usenet group, uh as well as kind of complaining about Wesley Crusher from Star Trek. Yeah, it was
2: a meme page before meme pages existed. Exactly. Well,
1: all this stuff. This is the other thing: is everything that we're surrounded by today didn't exist back then. There were no things as memes. There were no. There were no. uh You know, websites. You weren't doing your banking online. Who does banking online? That's ridiculous. It's not safe. I. Um,
0: <laughs> I. I. I think what for me when i started on the internet there was a lot of scary like oh what's going on what is out there um but it was wild it was open it was i was at a different age than i am now like if i hadn't had the internet and i was introduced to it now well one i wouldn't be this person so i have no idea what i how i would react <laughs> to it as an older person but
1: um i'll tell you what the three of us would not be in this room if there was no
0: 100 percent. The, the none of us would be in this room yeah. Absolutely. there's not a single one of us that would be in this room because we would have had completely different lives. Um, but that's where I was going to. It was the internet that first showed me that there are people out there that are passionate about the things that I'm passionate about or even things that I'm not passionate about, but they get to that level of passion. And that's where I see geekdom. Um, being a geek is just having a lot of passion for something. And there are people out there that don't laugh at the fact that I like Star Trek, you know, that that want to talk about role playing, that want to go into these pretend universes and play these fantasies with me. And that was groundbreaking and changed my life.
1: The entire basis for the modern acceptance of nerdetry and geekdom I think can be laid at the at the feet of the internet. Absolutely. Absolutely, you know the the ability to connect to people. As I was saying, when, when I was printing out all these things about wonder uh, role playing game stuff that was going on, it was suddenly a flood of oh my god! All these people are excited, and the same thing I am, and I can contribute back to them the mass of knowledge. I can be part of that. Whereas I did have some friends, I have a lot of friends that are into gaming, but you know they may not be in the same games I am or in the same idea or like the same movies or whatever and I could finally find, as in modern parlance, we call it finding your tribe, where basically you're finding the people who really are the same soul people as you and able to connect to them and i i don't know where I would be without that sometimes i sometimes i I think Jeez, was I born like twenty years too early? Because the early computer revolution time would have been really fascinating to take part in. I think, from my perspective, uh, there were a lot of you know there are a lot of worse things about the past that we we look oh, yeah. over, but but not but if I had done that, I would have been in the getting to the internet when I am about the age I am now. Like you said, yeah. how, how would that have affected me? How, would I have been able to change myself as much as I could at that point?
0: And I think you have a a really good point in that in 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 how the internet is one of the reasons why nerddom, why gaming, why gamers are so prevalent is because we found each other. And there used to be the life cycle of a gamer. And this is my observation. You may disagree with me, but it used to be that you would game in high school. A lot of people would discover it in college. But then there's that time where you're supposed to get serious and turn into an adult and all of your role playing games and other games need to go away. And the only thing that w- is acceptable is watching football or whatever. You know, I, I don't even know. I- I'm paraphrasing here because this is not my experience, but I had seen it before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had definitely seen it before. And we we have some friends that kind of still fall fell into that, or at least we have acquaintances. Um, I will say you come from Fredericton as a town is a big gaming town.
1: Oh yeah. I I mean, when I went there to to university, there is something magical. It was, it was a massive thing there and it's gone through its, it's, you know, waves. Um, But I think that the internet brought it back again. Mm. I think that that allowed it to grow.
0: Absolutely. But I think now because of the internet, because we all found these people, it is no longer the norm to stop.
1: Yeah,
2: no, no matter what your interests were or no matter what there was always there was always an ability to find like minded people to Mm -hmm. at least have a conversation or somebody that's interested in it or you all of a sudden you find an expert and then you can learn and learn more about this hobby or whatever, whatever your interest is. Um, And the fact that, you know, as you call them the tribes, as you can you find these little or large communities that maybe you didn't even know existed. Like yeah, I come from a small town up north. Uh, there's a lot of like games and hobbies and interests that me and my friends had that nobody else in our town did. And then all of a sudden we'd be able to like we didn't like you talked about the world of darkness. I think there were three of us that knew what that was and we couldn't find any other players. But all of a sudden, you know, you go online and you find people that are making supplements or they wrote adventures or they did things and you were always able to find them. That has led into the problem today of echo chambers. Yeah. Where you can find these communities really, really easily. And that leads to the ability of uh, disinformation and just people, you know, smelling their own farts, listening to their own information, (laughs) thinking they're so, and that leads to things like for some reason, for years, in the last few years, the worldwide expert on autism was an ex-porn star who swore to us that it was caused by vaccines. None of this is true. All of it has been debunked, but there are still people out there that completely believe this person because, you know, because of the internet. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: and, the access is is kind of a, you know, double-edged sword. Yeah. yeah. Anybody they, can put anything up on the internet, but unfortunately, anybody can, can put, put anything, anything up on up the internet. Up. Yeah, well, yeah, and that exactly. brings us
0: to like the modern day of the internet because the modern day of the internet is really fueled by social media, and that's where the echo chamber comes into play because social media is fueled by algorithms. And it, the the idea of You know, it used to be that you would go to a message board and everything would just be chronological and you would see things just in the the order that people posted them and you would have to be able to figure out how to navigate that. I'm just using that as one example. A lot of social media now is, well, you like and engage with these different things, so we're going to push this other stuff towards you. And because you like this, this is all you're really going to see. And as an example of this, I'm sure we've all had it. You have a friend, they post online, you never see it.
1: Yeah. Or, or you like that one thing and suddenly you're, you're only seeing that one yes. thing, yeah. even though you
2: actually hate liking it. Or you come
0: back to your feed and it's the same three posts and you're like, no, what, what has happened in the last day? You know?
2: So, so that was, that was one of my favorite things. So, um, when I got this computer, when it was brand new, I did not make, uh, I didn't log into Google or into any of the browsers. I just left the browser, uh, alone. And then I would, I was watching the targeted ads on my front page change <laughs> as the browser was trying to find things that it thought I would be interested in. And just, you know, I'm, I'm setting up a computer in a new house. So I'm buying, I'm buying furniture. I'm buying this. I'm looking on websites. I'm trying to find this, but I have no idea why google thought i was so old but <laughs> all of my targeted ads were oh did you know the dental implants are a lot cheaper in your town than you think oh new new sale today on hearing aids and it was all assisted living communities hearing aids new teeth <laughs> how old does my computer think i am well and the funny thing is you still have no
0: social media on there
2: oh uh, a discord but
1: discord
0: yeah
2: which but- is private
1: social media really yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, and 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 you have all the tracking turned off and yeah. And you still every now and then he's like, yep, they think I'm old or they think this. My favorite is uh, how much of the YouTube ads are in French because <laughs> we live in a town that is predominantly French.
1: Well, now I was contributing to your YouTube queue and you're getting all kinds of, of ads that we targeted to me. It's yeah. going to be really confused about this. But the thing is, this is all arising from a problem of success. Like yeah. the internet when it started was very small. And while it wasn't possible, just like it never really was possible that you could have read all the books at the same time, mm-hmm. you couldn't really have read all the web pages at a, at a given time. Exactly. But they started to become much larger than you could even conceive of. So search engines and all these things were created as tools to make us uh to give us a chance to actually find the thing we're looking for in the morass in the in the in the massive expanse that is the internet. Oh my god, how do I find anything? And uh of course the other thing other side of that is hey, that costs money. Maybe we should make some money at this and then of course back to your point uh tech uh once the money starts rolling in uh, it's like oh well now we're going to just do that instead and coincidentally help you along the way so
0: one of the things i hear all the time is uh that modern internet is toxic that it's wrong that we need to stop that you know there's uh, all sorts of issues and i wish i had I sound so old when I say this. I wish I had some young people for this conversation. <laughs> um Where the kids at? because the kids th- Because it is a double-edged sword. The one thing that, that uh, kids growing up now have is that they have this internet presence always. Mm. And some kids, their parents let them get on the internet way early before you're even legally allowed to have an account. And some kids, their parents make them wait. And some kids, their parents tell them, "I don't care that you're 13; you're still not allowed." You know, so there's 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 different things, and I'm not saying one is right or wrong or whatever, but there is that constant presence. It it, it is a thing, when, and even if you don't have an account, your parents might. Your pictures are probably already posted on the internet.
1: Well, when we were kids, kids back in the internet's first early days, the internet was an option. Yeah. Now the internet is a necessity. There Absolutely. are many many services you can't get without an email. There are uh you can't. How many of us
0: when uh the restaurants started opening up um at, with the pandemic, there were no menus. You needed to yep. go to a website. You had to get to scan the QR code. One of the
2: and that's the that's the the last point I wanted to make like my, yeah. my That's the one big thing I miss about the early internet is I used to be good at it. (laughs) It used to be a thing, and I was good at that thing. And people would, like the the computer club that I was in in high school, we became the tech support system for the school. The teachers used to pull us out of class. I remember one of the business teachers pulled us out of class one day to fix her brother's computer. (laughs) And it's like, she goes, I don't understand how his laptop works, but it doesn't work right now. Can you help us? And then we opened the thing. The thing was running OS2 Warp. Oh, wow! yeah, and then it's the drives are numbered instead of lettered, and that's that's what I can make sense of. Everything else <laughs> is just like this could be written in you know ancient Egyptian calculus for all i I have no idea what these symbols mean, and then trying to figure it out, but I remember being good at it when not everyone was, but now, like you're saying it's an it's a necessary tool, and because it's a necessary tool, we have spent. You know, collectively, humanity has spent millions upon millions of hours making sure that everyone can use it to make the interfaces intuitive, to make things easy to find and easy to search and easy to adjust and modify so everyone can use it. So, and with that, changing, altering, modifying, and customizing is now a lot harder than it used to be. Mm. And I know that there are browsers out there and there are, you know... um, you know if i if you know you really want to have a custom computer experience there's nothing stopping me from getting a linux machine and coding everything by hand but that's not as easy <laughs> as it used to be you can have the internet any way you like as long as it's painted black right yeah. exactly so the, i i mi- i miss that i mean i know i can get you know the customizable browsers and i can go in and hand code a bunch of things but ah, i i i just miss being good at i miss having a one thing and being good at that well, thing and the thing is <laughs>
0: It's not that you're bad at it now. You are competent, but so is everybody else. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. That's my point. (laughs) I gotta be
1: caught up with my expertise. Yeah, you
0: know, it's like you don't seem like I remember somebody's telling oh, 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 I that tech guy, he's like a hacker. He's a, a a super hacker. And it's like what what are you talking about? Oh, well, he took like just these little tiny pieces of information and he knew all this other stuff. And it was, you know, just little web searches nothing nothing too crazy samspade.org I, mean, org. I miss You're, sam spade my favorite was um using a who is registry to to get information about people and and people were like how did you get that information that's that's private you couldn't possibly it's like you it's your public registry you you put it out there it's out there on the internet you know um but uh uh now it's you know Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You looked through their Facebook profile. Okay. That's um, the information. Because, I mean, they're just giving it away anyway, so. Yeah.
2: Does anyone else remember uh, Hell.com? Oh, yeah. don't think I remember I that. I never got far. Nope. So if you went to Hell.com. dot like three levels. Yeah. If you went to Hell.com, all you got was a black screen. Okay. And inside, the it was a... It was just a message board. It was, it was a community. And after a while, they started selling, um, once you got in, that you could buy, um, an email address from them. So you had like John at hell.com. So you had a really, really cool email attached okay. to, attached to, you know, the, your account. But the thing is, is that it was, it was a test because they only wanted like-minded people in this message board. So all you saw was a black screen. So it's basically a speakeasy, a hidden speakeasy. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. 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 Okay. It was an internet speakeasy for nerds, but the, but it was finding your way in. And then, all you know, so you got a black screen. So then you would open up the source code of the website and they had hidden links and hidden addresses inside the comments that you would then basically start an internet scavenger hunt mm. to try to get in. What I find really, and then the site, you know, the, the site shut down in the early 2000s, but just while we were having this conversation, I went to hell.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's now been purchased by, uh, uh, by a group. If I go to hell.com right now, it automatically redirects to mybible.com. <laughs> oh, and nice. it's just, oh, a featured article today is 10 tips on memorizing verses.
1: Well, so, that's the other thing: is the internet is not uh, the stable thing you think it is necessarily, yeah. right? Those things those can be easily purchased. How many domain names have you heard of where they didn't renew their domain in time, and someone snuck in, bought the domain out from under them, and redirected to another site entirely? Cyber squatters.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the you know one of the, the the most famous examples of that is you know the the whole debate around Whitehouse. dot com. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Yep.
2: Where uh, you know that is. Not the official government White House page. That's whitehouse.gov. And if you go to .com for many years, you were in for a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes.
1: Ah, yes. The early days of the internet when you weren't really sure what you were, get- what you were getting. And then you were definitely sure you weren't getting what you were supposed to. I think there's enough double takes with phrases from those two eras to consider this one mm. that in the two different eras have very different soundings. Mm. Wow. What if we could connect six billion minds together versus now? Wow. What if we connect six million binds together? Yeah. Uh, it, because it, there was a different attitude about it, but there was also kind of this notion of, of we didn't know what we could do with it. And then we found out what we could do with it. I mean, oh, we shouldn't probably do that. <laughs> we should probably introduce some sort of filtering or some sort of connection.
2: And it it's always I always find it now that we have access and you know, even back in the seventies when the when you know the internet began as like a research tool, as a military tool, having access to all of the world's information can lead to some staggering discoveries. <laughs> like when Lockheed and the Skunkworks program started developing Uh, stealth, you know, uh, Hmm. making a a way for an airplane to uh, reflect and absorb radar waves. That was actually a a Russian research paper on, uh, it was mathematical equations for deflecting radio waves. And (laughs) somebody looked at that and said, well, if it works for radio, that's all radar is. You know, radar is radio detection and ranging. So if it'll work for radio signals, I can make an airplane invisible using this. And they all kind of looked at it and they said, yeah, that'll work. As soon as we translate it from Russian. And then, then, you know, all of a sudden the Russians figure this out that, well, you put all your stuff out there and then somebody read the paper and now they've developed an airplane that we can't see. Oops. Oops.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like anything else. But I mean, there, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of advantages. There's this, the, the internet is ubiquitous in the sense that we all have to know how to use the internet. Even, even our, mm-hmm. Parents, you know, like um, uh, uh, certain parents. I mean, my mom has always been pretty good. She, she definitely. I mean, like my mom. My mom had a K-Pro and she was doing word processing way back in the, the early 90s and the and so forth. So she was always pretty with it. Uh, my dad was, you know, he did the email and that was good. But once the web, it was just too much beyond him. But now even my dad is like searching things up about beekeeping and he's got message boards and groups and things. And, you know, everybody is doing the Internet, but, you know, while I was saying that the, the younger people, they, they've grown up and it's always there. And whether they want to be on the internet or not, their picture is probably on the inter- internet from an aunt, an uncle, a parent, a friend, a random person, whatever. Um, there's also a lot of positives. Oh yeah. Because how many people have grown up and said, there's this thing about me and I don't know if it's okay. I don't know what's, if it's, right, normal, whatever it is, you know, a personality thing, a sexuality thing. I have a mole, I have, you know, whatever. Development thing. And they can go to the internet and they can Google it. You yeah, know, and they you can, can go to
2: WebMD and find out that whatever you have is yes, cancer. It's giving you cancer. <laughs> um
0: but I mean you can you can search that up. Hey, what's this white thing in the back of my throat? You know? Um eh I think I think one of my favorites is uh I've I've read an article about how things like am I gay? As a, as a search term or does this make you gay is, is a big thing. And, and that's where a lot of kids start out. And some of them, you know, just having somebody to talk to at all times, just having that hotline out there, whether it be a stranger or somebody that you met on a Hello Kitty Island adventure forum, mm. uh, you know, or whatever it is. I don't know. I'm coming up <laughs> with something vague on purpose because I'm not trying to send anyone some anywhere, but. There's a lot that people discount. And I think, and I think we're not completely past it, but I think one of the things that I did see in the pandemic is how much the internet helped people.
1: if, If we didn't have the internet during the pandemic, we would have gone bonkers.
0: i I mean we did go bonkers with the internet (laughs) i will like let's not pretend that we didn't go bonkers but yeah like the 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 internet is one thing that kind of kept everyone together and not just those of us that were used to it that were used to connecting through the internet this had then become a way of connecting with family like my family alone um we were meeting every week video conferencing you know uh Sending messages back and forth. Siblings that never talked to me, even though I've been online this whole time and I moved to Canada and siblings that never talked to me suddenly were talking to me because that was the only way anybody could talk to each other. And yes, it's a lot. Yes, it's, it's, it's much. Yes, social media is evil, but some of us, we, we participate in it because it also comes with that connection.
1: The, the one thing that I know for myself personally the internet has been very difficult for is you know when when it first started you would be off the internet and then you went on the internet deliberately Yeah. now you're never off and that that access to information is great until you realize it's a fire hose and you're drowning in it
0: yeah you're never off unless you are specifically off and you're taking a break and it's really hard to do that yeah 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 I mean, and
2: it's you know the next generation of the internet you know, the, what, what they're calling, you know, the internet of things, you know, the, the connectivity of everything, it's going to be impossible to disconnect in the near future. Now that, you know, your fridge can talk to your grocery store and reorder the milk for you when it starts to run low and, you know, oh, your, your, your washing machine is reporting that it's running out of soap. And next thing you know, the Amazon guys at the door with the, with the, the, you know, the, the washing powder that you needed, it's. It's coming. It's it most of it's already here, but you know, th- they've been talking a lot about this, you know, your your car that will automatically call the mechanic and schedule an appointment. Um you're never going to be able to get away from the internet.
0: Yeah.
1: And wow. and you know, that sounds tough for us because we were there before it was a thing, but for those growing up now, it's a natural normal thing.
2: I, mean, I, I one one of the things I, I I wanted to mention from before, it's a I I don't know how many times I've heard parents of a young toddler Con, uh, you know convinced that their three-year-old is a genius because look, he can get on the tablet and he can play video games. Isn't he amazing? <laughs> Isn't he a little rocket surgeon? Look how smart he is. You know, you know who's really smart? The person who designed that UX yeah. on that tablet to make it so intuitive that even an illiterate toddler can figure out where the games are, how to navigate, how to push the buttons and then play the game. That's the real genius, not your little snot goblin. I'm... I'm <laughs>
0: That is now my favorite name for children.
2: A snot goblin? <laughs> A snot oh, yeah. <laughs> goblin. Uh, did you steal that from somewhere? Or? I, I heard that years ago. Uh, I. uh It's all yours. It's all yours.
0: Well, yeah, but if you heard it somewhere, it's not like I can, you we know, it. We can trademark. share. This it. is the yeah. internet. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, hopefully, snot goblin is open source.
1: Citation just, needed. Yeah. Just, just pirate it. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: but, uh yeah, I mean, like, the, there are so many things that are possible now, and it's, it, I'm constantly marveling at what is available. And I love it.
1: But?
2: <laughs> well, and
0: I don't, I don't know what's coming next, but I, I do also understand and there's going to be a lot of people who are like, the internet is an echo chamber. It's a lot of negativity. It's all of this. It's all of that. You you, you want to do the right thing and the next thing you know, you use the you said the wrong word or you did something, you know, and then you're you, you know, everybody hates you. And I, I think... I think for the most part, though, it's these are these loud exceptions, you know? And I think that there's so many wonderful things that have come out of this way of connecting. And I've always felt like the answer to almost any issue is communication. I I think that... And the internet is communication.
1: uh, Well, I, I think that for a long time we were like... You have to have your math, and you have to have your your English literacy if you're in an English country or whatever language. Uh, and then it was like, well, you should probably know something about how appliances work, or you should be able to plot your your home, or you should be able to have some knowledge of geography. And then it was, well, you should know how to use a computer. Computer literacy is a really big thing, and I, I don't, we don't have any kids here represented, yeah. but be, I think there is a movement also to have internet literacy to understand. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you want to avoid echo chambers. You want to seek out different communities. You want to seek the out different opinions. Digital
0: you... citizenship.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we we learned a lot by not having it so they can tell another generation
2: you really need to have it. In the...
0: most, in most uh, areas, digital citizenship is part of the curriculum. Yeah,
2: they said that, you know, the Vietnam War was the first modern war and that it was a completely different war because of the video camera. Yeah, that you because a, of television. Yeah. Right, and television. The fact that the, it was the first televised war, and then all of a sudden people could see what's going on in near real time. Uh, the Internet is completely changing uh, warfare and uh, geopolitics because now everyone online can see everything that's going on instantly. Yeah. You know, you've now got like riots and protests And people with GoPros and, you know, and, you know, digital cameras that are instantaneously feeding this to an audience of tens of thousands and millions and everyone can see what's going on instantaneously. And that has completely changed world politics that er everybody can see everything. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just,
1: (laughs) (laughs) well, I'm just thinking that you can also have, uh, you know, organizations like well, oh, I don't know, a bunch of truckers who want to, to, uh, mm-hmm. to shut down a capital city for a while, mm-hmm. um, all organized on the internet and all, you know, having their own echo chamber created from that.
2: Right. But having, having the ability to reach a worldwide audience instantaneously mm. is, is changing everything. And, um, why do, uh, you know, and we've talked about, you know, the, the internet is now so, the, is so, useful and so ingrained in every aspect of our lives and we rely on it for so many things why do i need you know speaking politically why do i need to bomb your country with expensive missiles and bombs when i can just upload a piece of code into your nuclear power plant and shut down all your reactors
1: i mean that sort of stuff is going on all the time absolutely
0: yeah um and, and then it, it could also just go, oh, I don't like how you're dealing with me. Why don't I just have, what, what do we call this? Uh, social engineering happen online oh, and yeah. suddenly you're not, not voted in again or whatever else you know the, and i'll there, change the public discourse
1: there was a, a a season of of david Tennant's doctor who in which he had essentially created a whisper campaign doesn't she look tired right yeah. right and it, and it you know it sounds like such a silly thing in that particular but it's aspect But the way we do memes today, that sort of thing can happen. When someone puts that seed of doubt in there and it it spirals out to a meme or gets larger, then, yeah, it can suddenly turn into that sort of information campaign.
0: What was that character's name? Harriet Jones, Prime Minister. Right. We
1: we
2: know who you are.
1: (laughs) Yes.
0: Uh, But it's really funny because uh, she then played the queen.
1: Oh, I don't know about the Queen, but she came back as a, a, oh, in the Crown, okay. Yeah. She came back in Doctor Who as well. Yeah, I
0: know, she started out as MP and then she was Prime Minister and then yeah, she kept coming back.
1: I can look that up now, whereas I couldn't look up Doctor Who facts back in the 1990s.
0: No, no, no. no. It was, and that's the thing, there's, there's just so much. I, I I was, I was watching something and, um, it was a Doctor Mike video and he said how because of the age that we're in, you don't have to know everything. And that the change in, in in how doctors are operating is that they're actually encouraged not to memorize things, because things are changing all the time, but to know enough to know where to look and what information to look up, and that doctors now are constantly looking things
1: up. I, I wonder how many people would I got mad Google skills on my on my resume.
0: But know? if you think about it, how often had doctors previously just gone with the way that they were taught? W- even though medical science changes
2: well it has its own term now it's you know some people have better google foo than others yeah, my stuff- google foo's great
1: well and the thing is it's not a new thing no this no. is what libraries were they were the repositories of knowledge you didn't know yet
2: um i remember seeing somebody had cataloged this whole list and it was at, 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 it was really funny you know people are like oh you know everybody's got their heads in screens now nobody talks anymore and then before that, well, everybody's doing email nobody talks anymore oh everybody's watching television nobody talks anymore but they found versions of this argument that people Mm -hmm. are like oh the printing press is going to ruin conversation and we're never going to talk anymore because of that guy gutenberg um but i guess somebody found in one of the books there's a quote from socrates (laughs) saying that The written word on stone tablets is going to allow people to no longer learn things. They're just going to be able to look it up. So (laughs) therefore, we're not going to have real smart people anymore. We're just going to have literate people. And it's the end of civil discourse as we know it. It's the end of the learned man. Even 2,000 years ago, we had this same hokey argument. I mean, Well,
1: every time a technology comes in, it disrupts things. And we see the same arguments again, of course.
0: I I can't remember the exact quote and I believe it was Albert Einstein but it was something about like 90% of genius is not knowing the information but knowing where to find the information. One of my teachers had that up.
1: It's ironic that you can't find that.
0: I know, I know. I, <laughs> is it, my... when,
2: I when I was teaching at a trade school like our like our initial 6-month course for the young the young craftsmen and women when they're learning the trade it's like 10% about using the tools and 90% of the course was learning to look up the repair instructions. Calculators.
1: When calculators came out, like, nobody can do basic math anymore. Yep, yep. But everybody can do advanced mathematical calculations now that they couldn't do it before as well. So it's both balances. Uh, I I do worry about that a little bit because, uh, you know, finding that balance between basic literacy or basic understanding and being able to look things up is always a bit tricky. And the rate at which information can change sometimes today means that looking it up today, it might not be true tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Or it might be, you know, realize it was the bias that was contributing to it last time you looked it up.
2: Another another great example of that is Wikipedia, you know, Mm -hmm. a wonderful open source repository of the world's information that anyone can edit. Yeah. Yeah. Which means that anyone can edit it. And I remember, I remember once looking up a piece of technology and the... Wikipedia article was vast and listed all of the problems they had in the development and it was a, a kind of a scathing article with cited sources and everything and then the next day I went back to sh- hey look look at this piece of technology look at look at everything that they're talking about everything that went bad with it and then um somebody had gone through with a heavy hand and like redacted 3 quarters of it and just deleted all of the negative negative stuff about it.
1: I think that the I think in in Wikipedia's own defense though, they they have created quite a ritual in terms of how how information is updated, how it's monitored, how it's yep. discussed. So it, it has developed good protocols to try to mitigate that, but it still occurs that someone will find some, something slipped into their Wikipedia profile and then they can't change it themselves because they're the subject of the Wikipedia. I,
0: profile. I, I actually recently saw something about that and it was a, a woman, she was a, I don't know if she was an artist, a novelist, something or other, uh, professor maybe? I think she was a professor and, um, Her Wikipedia article stated that she was married and who she had married, but she had been divorced. And so she tried to go in and edit her Wikipedia page to say that she was divorced. But you cannot edit your own Wikipedia page. And
2: you can't add a piece of information without citing a source.
0: So she asked somebody to interview her yeah she uh, uh, was
2: she was friends with somebody that worked at Slate, yes, and did an interview. and it was one question, say, "Hey, are you still married? Nope, I'm divorced. Put it up on the website. <laughs> oh, they, did, the, they did
0: talked about other yeah, things, but the source sure, banged She made sure that she mentioned that she was divorced in it and that that part got published so that it could then be cited. Mm. and 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 so, when you look her up, you don't think that she's still married to this person.
1: This is something that has happened as well in the internet. Yeah. if we're talking about that change is now you have what are considered trusted or central sources for Mm -hmm. information. Not everything is going to be on Wikipedia. I'm not on Wikipedia. I don't know whether I deserve to be on Wikipedia. But before Wikipedia, in the early days of the internet, anybody could put anything up and therefore became part of of the collective knowledge. You can still do that, but it doesn't have the same stamp of approval of something like a Wikipedia saying, no, this is the real thing.
2: Yeah. And, you know, places like Snopes or PolitiFact or, you know, these other websites that have become trusted as... Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are some, you know, even down to simple blogs. I mean, there there's a blog that I follow where the guy very, very famously said, I'm not taking any sponsorship for this. I'm not sponsored by anybody. I just really like these products because they're the ones that work. And then he tested them. And... I followed his website. I read every article he posted until ads started showing up. <laughs> and it's like, now I can't trust you. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I Absolutely. I, I agree. There's, there's definitely, um, I remember a lot about like Wikipedia. Oh, this is great. This is great because nobody can afford the Encyclopedia Britannica mm-hmm. uh, subscription. Oh, but anybody can change this. Oh, people are using this for this. Oh, this. And I remember going through teaching, you cannot use Wikipedia as a source and having to try to drill that into people's head To Wikipedia is fine for research if it's where you start mm-hmm. and that you need to, you're not using Wikipedia as your source, you're going to the, um, to the, to the references and then you get it from there, and you have to go in, and those
1: are your sources. In the early days, you cannot use anything on the internet as a reference. Yeah. And now some things are published only, only on the, on the internet. internet. Yes. How do you cite that? Because, and the interesting thing was watching the citation uh, language change mm-hmm. uh, because they, they suddenly had to have a citation with the date you accessed it. Because. Yes. After that point, it may not may no longer refer to that particular article, or what's worse, it may be a relative uh, reference where yes, it's referring to this list of articles, which is now scrolled off the screen and no longer follows to that link or that categorization. APA, has I mean, I, for- yeah. I
2: forget the name of the tool that they they gave us, but it was like a, we had a an add on for Word that we were using when I had to write a big research paper, and I could. Copy paste, like as I was on websites and things and finding information, I could copy paste the link into this add-on and then it would automatically fill out my proper bibliography uh. on my paper. Uh, in whatever style I needed, so you know, oh, we were following APA or whatever, and then mm-hmm. you know, just set up the thing and then update bibliography. Boop, boop, all my links are there, automatically done. All the proper footnotes and headers and footers, and oh, it was all great.
1: You, all you WYSIWYG people, I wrote my papers in LaTeX, which was a computer programming language for writing papers. Really? Yeah, mm. that's fantastic. You could do all kinds of weird programming with that stuff.
0: A lot has come about. For, um you know th- there's been a lot of change there's there's definitely I think a lot of people have learned media literacy we've learned just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true but that there is a lot of sources that are true um one of the things that probably still annoys me is every time I see a meme and I and people just share them without looking to see if they're real <laughs> you know and and the other day it was one that I saw and I was like Oh, that's fake. And I looked it up. I was like, oh, that's real. That's my favorite. <laughs> that is my favorite when something is uh, fake versus real. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. Um, but I, I yeah. kind of
1: like when a meme is shared and you, you're like, I don't think this means what they think it means. Or maybe I don't think this memes what they think it memes, yes, where they where they've missed some detail, and it's like, no, this is actually a sarcastic opposite of what you thought you were promoting,
0: yeah, yeah, I did see one of those recently, and it had something to do with like the price i i I really hate those arguments of it's like the price of Starbucks versus the price of something else,, and, oh, yeah. and it's just like mm okay th- th- this is a much larger issue and and yeah, and
2: the yeah. the price of a McDonald's hamburger versus the minimum wage in nineteen eighty. Oh, that was the one. That was yeah. the one. The price of a the price of a McDonald's hamburger now versus minimum wage now. Do you see a difference? I'm like, I don't think the hamburger index is a is, <laughs> no, is but, a good measure of, a, how, of of you know how we gauge inflation. I mean, you've 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 reduced it in, into a thing to make a point, but you're wrong. Yeah. No. The the one that was uh, the surprising delight, uh, but it was also very
0: multifaceted was. Uh The price of a McDonald's hamburger versus the w- wage of a McDonald's employee in the U.S. versus Denmark.
1: Oh, yeah. I saw oh, that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: But it's a much larger conversation, which is, it could be its own podcast, because it is not just they pay their people more. It is a whole different structure. And it, it's it's more than just one piece of information.
1: That kind of points out something, I'm whether you guys uh, yeah. have seen or not, when we think about You know, we all saw that meme. It all became popular enough that it crossed our particular, you know, scanning Mm -hmm. circles, were able to see it. But there are thousands of those, and, and sometimes it's hard to have conversations with my friends because they're off in this part of the Internet, and I'm off in this other part of the Internet. What do you think that would have been like, you know, back in those early days? Do you feel like there was a small enough Internet that we could all understand it, or was it so hard to find that it never crossed our circles until much later? Because I I feel it was more the latter than the former, um, you know, except in a very specific circle.
2: It was it was smaller, and there was um, it was it was smaller, it was slower. There was less information to be shared, and honestly, I think we were talking about less. Mm -hmm. as well you know there wasn't a lot at at least in the internet circles that i was in there really the internet was not a real good place for your socio-political discourse (laughs) no it it was not a um it was not a place to get your up-to-date political news or your science facts or you know um you know 33 ways you know the government is spying on you using the radios in your teeth and tinfoil hats and you know that stuff was not um, it. We, we, we were talking about much less important things. I,
0: I think. I think in the sense that there would be something that would uh, someone would see, and maybe if it had to do with your Usenet or the particular circle or group you were talking to, everybody would be talking about it because somebody would introduce it, and then everybody in that area would start talking about it. But like for instance, and I'm going back. This is almost ten years ago, but the dress.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> the dress
0: everybody knew about the dress. So there there wouldn't be something that would I think get everyone in the on um, all the forums talking.
1: I I think strangely um while today you might get that shared on the internet. In the early days, what would happen is someone would find something like that They'd print it out and they'd put it up on the on the bulletin board or in the lunchroom, yes. and it would get shared that way. There so was, was kind of-
0: definitely that happening. My favorite is the um, uh, you would get an email from like a family member, and then they would print it out and they would give it to you the next time they saw you. And it's like, but you've already emailed me this. Um, that's that's always a good one. There are some constants, and I'm I'm going to just list off a few constants: things that have not changed. The chain letter. Or the, you know, reshare as if this is you and then, uh, share this with five followers or whatever, right. you know, yeah. uh, tag these people. That has not
1: gone away. Share this with enough people and Microsoft will give away a million dollars.
0: M&M's or
2: Skittles is <laughs> just gonna give you money. Facebook's gonna start charging unless you do this. Um, how many, how many people have things like just, just on Facebook? How many posts are, are in that, that same sort of pseudo aggressive things of, all of my real friends won't repost this. Prove them wrong. and <laughs>
0: Like, it starts out, you know, uh, always it's, uh, mental health is a really important thing and when I was g- dealing with this and this was, and it's a very personal story and then it gets down to the bottom with share this with your friends. Yeah, um, most you know,
1: people won't read all the way to the bottom. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah, wait, but
0: this is written as if this is happening to you. Yeah. Like, it, it's so I always laugh at those yeah.
1: because I there's just so much media that I'm, in, I'm in receiving. It's like, dude, I wouldn't have seen this because it was buried in, buried in a thousand other posts i happened to look at that day or
2: how many how many people thought that they could put a disclaimer on their social media i do not consent to this being used for <laughs> blah 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 if if you are using this to that then you owe me thirty thousand dollars and by reading this you ex- that, that that's not how disclaimers work and yeah. that's not how this works that's but, intrapid, but really. to me this is
0: this is it's and, and this does not start on the internet, as we all know, because I call it a chain letter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a chain letter. Uh, memes at some point are a chain letter. I think the big difference between a meme and a chain letter would be the chain letter k- instructs you to share it, whereas the meme is just something that we do share and then eventually becomes part of the public consciousness. The,
2: the, there are things that manage to cross over from digital to real life yeah. and in a lot of cases it's good Sometimes it's bad But things like You know The ice bucket challenge Or various dance challenges Or um, uh, You know Things like that But the the, the one case That I, I wanted to bring up That I really liked Was Do you guys remember Hitchbot? Oh yeah uh- <laughs> so it was a little hitchhiking robot that uh, kept yeah. track of its position, it which is like a, just a little GPS tag. But it was a cute little robot. And somebody would leave it on the side of the road. And the idea is that you would pick up Hitchbot, drive it down the road a little bit, drop it off, and then somebody else. And, you know, it made it coast to coast in Canada. It made it yep. all the way. They tried it again in the United States. It made it as far as Philly before it was destroyed with baseball bats, shot a bunch of times.
0: Um, yeah, it, it it was fine in Canada, Germany, the Netherlands.
2: Yeah.
1: Go to the go
0: to the
2: states.
1: When, it, when the robot revolution happens, they'll remember that
2: vengeance. They, they will seek vengeance for poor Hitchbot. <laughs> oh, poor Hitchbot!
0: But uh, yeah, I mean there, there are certain things that have never changed. There will be people that will warn you that everything's going to kill you, and you're sharing way too much. And this is the
2: devil. WebMD will give you you know everything gives you cancer, <laughs> and
0: that communication being open it keeps us more connected it keeps us together and for some people it's a lifeline for some people it's too much because they don't know how to turn off and I, I understand that there there is definitely the um the 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 split that some people have that they they not that that sometimes when all you see is one kind of post from somebody you think that is the whole experience mm-hmm. and that there's something wrong with you if 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 you do not reflect that. So if you are only seeing people post their successes and they're only sharing these amazing things that happen to you, that you can sometimes feel inadequate because, well, that's not what your life looks like. And your life is so much harder in comparison. And the same can also be that all you ever see are people posting bad things. And you're thinking, wow, I, I feel so bad because my life is so much better than that how is it always so awful for these people and maybe you develop a thick skin and loss of empathy for when instead of uh um you know hearing a story from somebody that you're sitting right with and they tell you something bad happened but all you've ever seen are bad posts and you go, ah, whatever, that's just what happens, you know, and, and, and you lose the empathy. The,
2: the, the perfectly curated Instagrams yeah. of, you know, isn't it wonderful that we're living the van life as an example. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's all these perfectly curated photos of, you know, sunsets and beaches and isn't van life wonderful? It's like, No. You're homeless and living in a van. It's (laughs) it's it's not that it's not that romantic. Or my favorite, and I I do really uh, uh,
0: enjoy the creators that do this. It's like you've got that perfect little pose, and your everything's aesthetic, and everything looks great.
1: Duck lips in order,
0: and then you take the camera and just shift it two feet and there's the piles of the laundry and the things that you know and and a house just looks like everybody else's you know it's sometimes it is it is a lie that we are seeing but at the same time I, i like to remind people in your christmas photos you're not sending pictures of your kids with boogers on their face and they just drew on the walls. Well, and, the cool know,
1: families are. The but... cool
0: families do. I I, I will say Chuchun Viv did have one of the best Christmas cards that one year where they're all on their phones <laughs> and like one's got a finger up and it, it was, it was very well posed, but, um, yeah yeah that that sometimes it can feel so overwhelming that this is the only life and that this is reality and we do have to remind ourselves that and not exactly.
2: Yeah and this leads to a whole bunch of other societal problems and that you know everybody everybody on the socials is trying really really hard to you know, show perfect or be perfect or show their best side. And that's all you see. It becomes really easy and really disheartening. You know, it it becomes very, very easy to fall into that trap of everybody's perfect except me. So yeah, Yeah. but they're not showing you the mistakes. They're not. I, I remember this one. They were a young couple, but they were official spokespeople for a video game that I played. And they always did these fun little green screen videos about, you know, playing the game, but, and the game was from a comp- a country in Europe, and they were the English, p- uh, speaking, uh, spokespeople for the game. And one of the videos, the green screen fell. And you saw, you know, they kept the camera going, but you saw the rest of their apartment, and it was a dinky little dirty one-bedroom apartment with a mattress on the floor and a pile of dirty dishes. It's like, like, they're not perfect. They're, yeah. they're people, you know, just they're like he's saying. Yeah. Man, we should go back to before the
1: internet, when, 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 when newspapers, magazines, books, and movies showed us only the truth about everything. No, no, no,
0: we need to go <laughs> further back. We need to go further back to when illustrations only told us. We
1: need to go back to when bards told stories in bars about how the truthful encounters they had led to their delightful life.
0: Exactly, yeah. exactly.
1: And then, that's. But cool. I guess this internet thing is around for a while.
0: Uh, so
2: more things change the more they stay the same?
1: <laughs> Probably, Sometimes. just Look, more of them.
2: Like I said, people have been squawking about how technology, technology is going to ruin the future. People have been complaining about this since, you know, Socrates complained about this invention called the stone tablet in writing. So, will it destroy the world? No. Will it change the world? Yes. yes. <laughs> and, uh, and is that bad? Maybe, maybe not, but you know, the, the the world is gonna change. Suck it up and, it, you know, suck it up and accept it. The world's gonna change and you're not gonna like some of the changes. And for a couple more years, humans still write the internet, so. That's
0: true. So well, for now, for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I do say often that all your faves are problematic and that includes the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I have a feeling that most people that are listening to this are not so negative on the internet as a concept because they're listening to a show that is only available on the internet.
1: Yeah, they're here now. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Fooled you. Suckered you. Got you in.
0: <laughs> but uh tell us, what are your thoughts? What are your first experiences with the internet? And uh where did you start? Cuz I really am fascinated to know where everybody comes into the into this story.
1: Yeah, I I wonder if we could ask the same question like So what was your first experience with electricity, and how did it start for you?
0: Well, I mean, to to be fair... My mom tells the story of color television or getting a television. So, I mean, there's there's definitely those kinds of comparisons.
1: When did running water make it into your abode?
0: Okay, there there are some that don't have that right now in (laughs) in the 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 North American world. Do you remember the retirement fans?
1: Do you remember? Do you remember? I was
0: thinking they live in Flint. (laughs) Do you remember
1: the retirement of the outdoor commode? um
0: again it's mostly
1: just to to, to point out how essential the internet has become yeah it really is we've had major revolutions in technology before we'll have more to come but this one this one i think is has that fundamental nature to it
0: there are a lot of people that believe that the internet is a right and that the internet is um necessity in the sense that water There are there are
2: there are places that have passed that legislation, and I know that they were Mm -hmm. trying to make it that you know the inter access to the internet is a fundamental human right, like clean water and
0: there's there's a lot of posts that you'll see from like librarians and library organizations about how a library is not what you think it is. It is not a place to go for quiet because there's actually a lot of activity happening there, and for a lot of people, it's because the internet is there and it, it. they it's their only access and we've known people i mean i've known people that would be able to talk to me for a half hour and go hang on i got to switch computers cuz there's a half hour limit you know <laughs> uh because they were at at libraries um but even to this day you know there are people that they you can't sign up for certain things like government things without an email address.
1: And the ubiquity of Wi-Fi means that coffee houses are really co-working spaces, you know we, we, absolutely.' We, we, we're, we're reclaiming all these public spaces and turning them into places where the internet lives.
2: I, I had a, the other day at the lunch table at work. I had two co-workers talking about how um, with their um, library card, they're able to get free ebooks and audiobooks. Just like getting uh, mm-hmm. a, a a dead tree paper book from a library, that you can now you know sign out an audiobook or a or an ebook, and that they have a limit of like so many per week or whatever. But you know they didn't sign up for Audible. <laughs> she just went to every library in town and's got like four library cards, so she just gets more books and more uh, more uh more audiobooks
0: yeah it's it's true your library you get digital content um in addition to that, there's always librivox there is always um uh gutenberg uh there there's so many great resources out there. Um, absolutely. And, and the library is just fantastic. The interesting thing about the, the digital, like the ebooks and stuff that you get from a library is, there, you have to wait for the, them to become available sometimes mm-hmm. because um, the library has a certain number of digital copies. But yeah, no, libraries are, are great places to, uh, you know, get content, get access. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I am one of those people that thinks that the Internet should be a right and that there should be. OK, maybe... Not every person needs to be able to download a, a a game or be streaming, but everybody should have access to that information
2: and connectivity. the The, the internet is a tool. I see the internet yeah. is no different than a hammer. Um, it's it, it 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 can allow a crafts person to build something really really good, or it can allow someone to destroy. At the end of the day, it's a thing. It's a tool. It's the person wielding it that has. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it gives you access to the world's information. It gives you access to, you know, as you said, six billion minds. It gives you access to all of these things. What you do with it, it's up to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, my analogy choice is more, it's more like electricity. You know, it's, it doesn't do anything on its own. It's how you use it that really Ex- makes a difference. Exactly. And you have tools you can plug in to use the internet, uh, as well as tools you can use to shock yourself to death. So mm-hmm. that's the internet. Uh, shocking. Okay. Shocking.
0: And on that note, Thanks so much for joining us. Let us know your stories. Let us know what, what, how did you start this? This is what I'm fascinated by. Um, and um, yeah, what is the biggest change that you saw from when you started to now. And you can do that by going to the Discord. See, it's all internet. Discord or the Facebook group. There is that, that phone number you can call. Nobody
1: calls it. Carrier pigeon is still available.
0: Carrier pigeon. Um, I'm not sure what it, I would do with it. I don't, I wouldn't know to grab the, the little thing off we're
1: working the- on the implementation
2: the, yeah there's a bit
1: of a problem in the collector traps
2: so it's it, it's the back it's the backwards compatibility that I'm worried about nutty so you know you can get this you can get all of these episodes wherever you download your pods available you know this available you know on this website and iTunes and everything and if you want it on wax cylinders <laughs> send an email to <laughs> yeah yeah and if you're
1: listening to this far in the future and things have changed even more significantly please get in touch because I think that nutty would love to hear how 20 years in the the future someone still heard her episode and went hey what was the internet anyway
0: that is my favorite thing by the way
1: Hmm.
0: uh when somebody discovers something or is going through the back catalog and i get a random message of somebody from something because we've been doing this since 2011 it's it's been 12 years of doing this show and and when somebody finds something and then they start responding because they just listen to it like that's wild that is my so favorite to th- thing. So to the
2: people in the future listening to this on Broadbrain, um I hear I hear the data ports are itchy. Can yeah, you, have they fixed that yet? Have they fixed that yet? How's the interplanetary internet? Does that work very well? Yeah.
0: All right. And now. bye everyone.
1: See
2: ya. Bye.
0: Before we go, we do want to thank the patrons, without whom there would not be two episodes a month. You may have noticed that most of these months, since uh, in the fall and so forth, there's a little more than two episodes a month. I've been trying to push out some extra content there. It's been mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Um, but without whom there would not be those two episodes a month, there would not be... The ability for me to pay my server fees and the motivation to keep putting out more content. So thank and, you so much. And? Yes, and? They also got us that Kraken theme song. They did get us that Kraken theme song, which is fantastic. Like, I, I love how much, uh, how good that came out from, uh, Jordan Cook. So thank you for that so much. Thank you to our top tier big daddies. Thank you to Jax.
2: Thanks, biggest daddy. Uh,
0: the biggest daddy. Thank you to Jason. Thank you, Jason. Thank you to Rich the TT. Thanks, Rich. And thanks to our patrons of the arts. We have Kaylin, Mark Cabot, Mark the Encaffeinated One, who, by the way, you're going to have to pick out your art while you're here. Oh, I'm no. about to start that. Yeah. Can
1: I just say on behalf of the patrons, you're welcome.
0: Thanking <laughs> us. It feels you appropriate. Uh, Thank you to Melissa, uh, the Bathtub Mermaid. Thank you to Susanna. And thank you to all the other patrons, the lifeblood of this whole patronage. You are the ones that keep people donating you are the ones that, that let me know you want to hear so thank you to andy luke to clifford uh thank you to grig harold hugh ian just justine ken kinsey crazy joe adventures mike p the radical geek shane steven will and Zachman. thank you so much everyone thanks guys